Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. Welcome to the show, uh, Virgin Most Powerful Radio family. Welcome back to the clinic. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Um, as always, let's go ahead and start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, welcome back to the show. You know, if you've been following us, you know that the last uh, show that we had, we talked about anxiety surrounding our current social situations when it comes to politics and um, our current uh, social situation when it comes to being quarantined and worried about illnesses and voting and what all this means for us uh, as Catholics, because ultimately we want to do things from a Catholic mind, from our Catholic mindset and from what we're taught in our catechism. Well, one of the things that we talked about was that when it comes to voting or making any decision in life, really, as we make decisions through life, we are essentially voting one way or another, uh, not necessarily for a candidate, but for ourselves, for our soul. And how do we vote? How do we make choices? How do we decide, you know, what is it that is right and wrong? We talked about reading the catechism. We talked about reading the Bible. Um, but ultimately, we talked about it comes down to our mission and our objective in life. So our mission in life is to become Christ-like, right? God put us on here and we're supposed to be perfected. We're supposed to by our choices, by what we say, do, how we act, and even by what we don't say we're making decisions, our, our sins of omission as we call them, to become more or less Christ-like. Ultimately, we want to become Christ-like because our objective is to make it to heaven. So once we get to the pearly gates, once we get to uh, see St. Peter at the front door, we want him to be able to recognize us. We want him to be able to see us and say, oh yeah, you belong here. And we want us to be able to make that choice to say, you know, I've been trying to make all the right choices. I've been trying to vote in my life for Christ and for God uh, in order to walk into this gate. And hopefully as I do that, I get transformed into more Christ-like form. Um, one of the things that we need to do though is that uh, we need to train. We, how do I become more Christ-like? What is it that I do? I can go through life and try to make good choices. One of the things that we have to remember, though, is if we are the church militant and we're a militant operation, we have to ask ourselves, why are we militant? What does that mean? If we're militant, that tells me that, you know, there's some kind of a of a conflict going on, right? We don't talk about militaries uh, without talking about a war, a conflict, a fight, uh, some something that we must be prepared for. And we know from our own experience that in our militaries and in our, in our world, whenever there's a, a military power, um, we have them ready. Even if we're not in a state of war, we have to be prepared for war or for a battle or for a fight. And this is where it gets a, a little bit exciting because all of a sudden, hang on a second, part of our, our mission is to become Christ-like, but there's going to be something, some kind of a force, another military opposing that. What's, what's so scary about that? What we've got to remember is that there is a whole lot of power in becoming Christ-like. We might not see it because sometimes we only think about the power that we have and we think about how powerful am I? I have to get stronger. I have to do this. We're so focused on the I that we think that we're the only ones who can affect or who can make change. Uh, 
And what we've got to remember is that the power of Christ comes from myself forgetting about I and focusing on Christ, about lowering myself, about emptying myself so that I'm not worried about what powers I have, but that I've emptied myself enough that I've allowed Christ to work through me. And now all of a sudden, the actions I do are not me, but they're Christ. It's like St. Paul tells us, it's no longer me, it's Christ who's working through me. Any miracles that happen in the world, anything that we see extraordinary, we can't forget that it is Christ working through us. I remember I was watching a, a football game one time, and uh, this team uh, won in the last second, and you know, it was, they were down, and all of a sudden they had this walk-off touchdown. And it was just a, a moment where everybody thought, oh boy, they lost. This is it. They, they've lost. There, there's no way to do it. There's only a few seconds left on the clock. They're down, um, and they're way far from the touchdown. And, and gosh, they might hope for a field goal at the very end, but it sure isn't looking good. Maybe one more play, and, and it's over. They're done. And lo and behold, that last play looked like a miracle. It looked like it wasn't even possible. It was a long pass. The 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 wide receiver caught the ball. Um, just out of nowhere, he should have been tackled, and all of a sudden he makes it all the way to the end zone. And in the end zone, you know, the, the, the stadium goes wild. It's just loud. Everybody's cheering. It's the most exciting game. People are crying because they're so excited. And all of a sudden he uh, uh, is over there, and all his teammates are jumping on him, and they're excited because they get to move on to a championship game. And there was a lot on the line, and it looked like nothing was going to happen. But boy, out of nothing, this big miracle came out. And, you know, the, the whole sideline is, is, is up in a roar and, and everybody's just in disbelief. Some of, some of the other players, uh, they interview them later and they say, I didn't even know what was happening. I couldn't move. This is so exciting. This is, this is amazing. And we forget that this is where God is working in us. We look at the situation and they interviewed the player and, and he said, you know, all glory to God. He said, the only thing God allowed this to happen, God put the ball in my hands and he allowed this to happen. It was very humbling and the way he described it. Uh, and it was a good reminder where he said, you know, if this is glory to God. If this, is, if this is what happened, this is amazing. He said, I had nothing to do with this. He said, I just put myself in the position. I ran the play I was supposed to. I caught the ball the way I was supposed to. But it was really what he was saying was God working through me. I emptied myself of myself. I knew what my talents were. I knew what I had to do. But I emptied myself of myself. And I said, God, if this is in, in, in your purview, it'll happen. And boy, what a play that was. What a miracle that was. The whole place cheered. And I could picture us, you know, any of us sitting there in the stadium and observing this and thinking, wow, this is amazing. You know, this guy, he trained. He's a football player. He went to camp. He trained for this. And, you know, a lot of times we use even military terminology in football games, right? So we say there was a long bomb and, you know, what a battle it was and things of that nature. And one of the things that we forget in the spiritual realm is that as we're training, we are actually not the observers in the stand. We are actually the players and all of heaven is in the stands cheering for us. And if we allow God to work through us, maybe we're going to be on that field and we're going to make that last play and God's going to allow us to catch the ball and go make that touchdown. This is what we got to remember about when we're training because we're so used to feeling sometimes like we are just the observers, like life is happening and we're just kind of watching it and we forget that we are in the spiritual world, the participants. And as participants, like any football player, like any athlete, or like any soldier in a military type operation, we have to train. We have to really get our training down. We have to know, we have to practice. We have to get our, we have to know what our tools are. We have to know what plays we're supposed to run. We have to know how to score the points. 
And this is what's important. This is what I hope that we talk about today, or this is what we're, we're going to talk about today, but I hope that it resonates for us. Um, because as we're going through life and as we're accomplishing our mission, you know, we're, if we are part of a church militant, if we are part of a team, if we are part of, you're just like a sports team, we have to win the game. You know, St. Paul tells us that this is a marathon. He, he likens it to a sport activity. Um, we, we can't forget that. We have to be in spiritual shape and training to do this. Well, where, do, where do we get this training? What, what is it that we need to do? And the first thing, more than anything else, is we need to prepare. We need to know what we're up against. We need to know our enemy, if you will. In the sports world, we see that people are always looking at tapes and they say, well, I need to look at uh, what did that other team do? How do they play? How do they act? What, you know, what plays do they run? Where are their strengths? Where are their weaknesses? And if we're going to come up on that field and we're going to go up against them, I better know what it is that I'm up against, right? I better train so that when in life I have to cast my vote, when I have to make my choices, when I have to make decisions, I know what plays I need to make. I, and I need to train in order to empty myself so that when I do make that last minute touchdown, instead of taking that glory for myself, which could be spiritually dangerous, I understand that, no, this was God working through me because I allowed him to work through me. That's really the choice that we're making. When we're making a vote, we're saying, Am I allowing to God to live in my life? Am I allowing God to have room in my life? Am I allowing God to ultimately be the one working through me? That's the vote that we're making. If we're worried about elections and polls and who do I vote for and, and what's going on as far as you know being sick or not sick or being in, in a quarantine, in my own world, what I have to do is look at what can I control and what I can't control. All that I can control is my everyday choosing God in my life and making decisions for God. So as I do that, I need to know, one, how do I do that? But two, again, what am I up against? I'm going to have to play against another team. If I'm in the military, I'm going to have to go up against another militia. I'm going to have to go up against another, another military uh, trained force. Well, what are their strengths and weaknesses? What are my enemies? Where are my, where are my strengths and weaknesses? As we look at that, Really, what we focus on is three things. So we always say for us in our spiritual world, what is it that we're up against? We say the flesh, the world, and the devil. That's really what it comes down to. It comes down to three things. So we have to train for three things. We have to train for the flesh, the world, and the devil. How do we do that? We have to know our tools. We have to know what it is that we have that helps us, where are our strengths, um, what is it that we can use, and how do we go up against this? So before even meeting the enemy, shall we say, like any good military operation, I have friends who were in the Marines, and I know a friend who uh, ended up being a Navy SEAL, and I'll always talk about how they trained, you know, before anything else, because they weren't always at war. Some of the friends who were in the military didn't actually go to war, but we'd always talk about, you know, interesting things for them were how they got through what they call boot camp and training and what they learned how to do and they didn't always have to use all of the tools uh, that were at their disposal, but they had to be ready to use them just in case something came up. So when we come back to the show, this is what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about who our enemies are, understanding the enemy, and two, what our, or, and what our tools are and how do we use them. How do we apply that to our everyday lives so that we can be victorious in our battles?
Help the Helpless, a Minnesota St. Paul nonprofit organization chaired by Father of Tear and volunteers, is humbly asking you for your kind support to help the poor and the handicapped children in India and Ecuador. Through financial support from the help of the helpless benefactors, the children are provided with clothing, food, education, shelter, and the teachings of the Catholic Church. The mission is to help children thrive and become self-sufficient young adults leading productive lives. We also provide aid to poor families in Ecuador with food baskets, medicines, medical assistance, and help with funeral needs for the deceased. The work in India is done by Father Antonio's organization, St. Mary's. In Ecuador, the work is being done by the Servant Sisters of the Home of Mother. You can call us at 877-762-8857. To learn more, please visit our website, www.helpthehelpless.org. God bless you. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for your support here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Here's an easy way to do it. If you're going to sell or buy a house, call Real Estate for Life, 877-543-3871, because they're going to get you a Christ-centered agent to purchase your home or to sell your home. And at the close of escrow, a portion of his commission goes right back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Call 877-543-3871. Thank you so much for your support. Welcome back to the clinic, Virgin Most Powerful Radio family. Always a pleasure to be here. Um, today we're talking about how do we train to make it to heaven? You know, ultimately our, our mission here on earth is to become more Christ-like. Our objective is to make it into the pearly gates and get into heaven and be one with God. Um, but we know that while we're here on earth, as we're going through our mission to become more Christ-like, there's obstacles and there's things that are going to be in our way. And we have to be ready to train and we have to be ready to fight um, because ultimately that's what it comes down to. You know, if we talk about this is where it's spiritual psychiatry, if you will, why is this important? Why is this important to talk about in a clinic? Because before all else, we have to train our minds. Um, this is true of and when you see this in any, any military operation, any sporting event where two teams have to go at it. When we look at practices, there's things that I always remember. Um, even when we used to, when I used to coach or, or teach or, or whatnot beforehand, I used to tell anybody who was training for something, any, you know, or even taking a test in school, you know, we're training for that. We're studying for it because we want to get the right answers. We want to make the, the right play out on the court or the field. And ultimately, spiritually, we want to make the right decision um, so that we can, we, we can rise above so that we can become more Christ-like. And I remember I was always telling um, students, you know, if you can't, if you can't do it in your homework, you're not going to be able to do it on the test. You got to know how to perfect things in homework and homework is just practice. You know, it's, it's, uh, if you're doing math problems, if you're doing chemistry problems, if you're trying to write an English paper, 
you know, homework is just practice. That's, that's all it comes down to. It's the same thing for a sporting event. Why do, why is there practicing? You know, because we have to know how to do it. If you can't do it in practice, odds are you're not going to be able to do it in the game. Practice is a time when, when nobody else is around, nobody else is looking and we can perfect our skills and our crafts. It's the same thing with being a Catholic. What do we call ourselves? We say we're practicing Catholics. What does that mean? It means that we're continually trying to hone our skills um, in order to to overcome, to to be able to win, to be able to be triumphant when we're faced with temptations, when we're faced with the uh, prospect of sinning so that we can get better. But before we talk about the, the uh, um, tools that we use, we have to understand the enemy and why do we even have these tools around? Because it's not going to make sense otherwise. You know, There's no sense in practicing if we don't understand that there's going to be a time we're going to have to use this stuff. So the first thing that we need to look at is know, know your first enemy. And our first enemy, what do we always say? I am my own worst enemy. We call that the flesh, right? So we are subjected after the fall of Adam and Eve. We're, not, we're, we're no longer perfect. You know, we, we don't have that sense of being able to just choose God all the time. When we're traversing this planet, when we're traversing this earth, we're going to find different things that are going to keep us from being able to choose God, from being able to vote for God, from being able to place our vote for candidates, for government officials that will um, bring us closer to God because it might not be a popular vote or we might not be able to tell our friends about who we want to vote for because they get upset or whatnot. And so I know that there's a lot of a lot of stress and anxiety right now with our current social situations, but ultimately this is more a lesson for life. We need to be able to understand that we can be our own worst enemy and that we need to challenge ourselves. Why do we talk about this in Catholic mental health? Because we have to be able to master our emotions. We have to be able to master our primitive desires, our most base desires, our lower emotions that make us want to just, you know, make impulsive decisions. Whenever we're in clinic, whenever um, uh, anybody asks me advice psychiatrically, mentally, what do I do with this or what do I do in this situation? Boy, this really upset me. The first thing we need to do is I tell that person, you know, if something's really upsetting you, you need to take a step back and let that frustration, let that anger subside because it's never good to make a decision out of anger, out of frustration, out of emotions. If we can't think reasonably, if we can't use reason um, over our instinct, then we're not going to be making very good decisions. We're going to make decisions that ultimately might bring us uh, harm just because we couldn't look ahead. You know, we're blinded by our emotions. We say, sometimes people say, oh, I went into a blind rage. Well, listen to that term. What does that mean? Blind rage. It means that I was so upset or so caught up in my emotions that I couldn't see. So it's never good to make a decision when we can't see. It's never good to walk down a dark path. And ultimately if we think about it that way. Then if we're really caught up in our emotions and our anger and our frustration, and we make decisions at that time, they might not be the best decisions that we can make because we don't even know what we're doing. We can't see the outcome of our decisions. We can't see the effect of our decisions. And so that being the case, knowing that we, that our minds and our emotions are built in such a way that our emotions can overtake certain things or can overtake our decision-making uh, capacity, we have to understand that that can be a weakness for us. This is when, when we start training, when we go to our own boot camp. We have to learn what our strengths and weaknesses are, and we have to really hone in our strengths and make those uh, more powerful, but we really have to turn our weaknesses into strengths as well. St. Paul tells us, make your weaknesses your strengths. Um, we have to, in this case, knowing that our emotions can blind us, 
we have to say, I can't necessarily always trust my own emotions. I can't focus on that. If, if I'm feeling something, I need to take a step back and I need to ask myself, is this right? Is this wrong? Just because something feels right doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. And this is, I think, where we get caught up a lot in different uh, sins, if you will, or different areas where we don't make good decisions for God or where we don't vote for God in the right way. We don't vote for Christ in the right way because we can easily get caught up and say, but it feels good. This feels so good. It feels so right. How can it be wrong? At the same time, we have to remember just because something feels good doesn't mean that it's the right thing. Or this really angers me, so I'm angry, so therefore it means that they are wrong and I am right. And because, you know, this is justified anger, well, hang on a second, take a step back. What is your goal? What is it that you're angry about? There was a very smart saying, I, can't, I don't remember who, and this is not my saying, so don't quote me on this. But, and I don't remember who said it. I think a, um, a philosopher at one point, I'd have to go look it up, but it comes to mind. And it says, whoever angers you controls you. Notice that. If somebody's angering you, they control you. Meaning that, and this could be of any emotion, if, 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 uh, if you're infatuated versus in true love, you're being controlled by your emotions. So if somebody's making you angry, you're allowing your emotions to control you. What does that mean? means you're no longer using reason. It means you're no longer in control of your, of your, of your thoughts, of your emotions or your faculties. You're allowing this emotion to really get the best of you. This is where we need to train. This is where we need to train. If I'm going to be more Christ-like, then I can't give into uh, my emotions. Why? Because sometimes people will say, oh, you know, it's okay. You know, I give myself, um, you know, in areas maybe of lust or of sin or things like that. Oh, I give myself some comforts every now and then because it feels good. Well, there's, there's a problem there because it's, if something is sinful, regardless of how it feels, um, it's never going to bring us closer to God. It's going to do quite the opposite. And sometimes people will even barter, will, will, will barter and say, well, you know, I've done enough good that, that this one little thing's okay. We don't have that option. We can try to convince ourselves of that, but we don't have that option. This is where in the spiritual mindset, if we're going to train, if we're going to train to get to heaven, Regardless of what's going on socially, politically at the time, we have choices to make every day. We can't just focus on the individual, this is what's happening right now, I have to make this political vote. I have to say, in my everyday life, am I making choices where I'm compromising? For Christ, there is no compromise. There is no, there's no way that he's going to compromise. It'd be like, you know, if we are the team on, on the field, or if we are the military, and, and the, the, crowd, the, the crowd of heaven is packed in the bleachers and they see us playing, are they going to want us to compromise on a play? Are they going to want us to say, well, you know what? I'm just going to mess up this play a little bit, but that's okay because I played really well the whole rest of the game. So this one play, yeah, you'll give it to me. I'm, I'm just going to take it easy on this play. No, they want every play. A spectator says, you know what? I paid for, to, to watch you play this game. I expect that you to give me a hundred percent on on every play. That's the way heaven's looking at us. They're saying, no, every play has to be a hundred percent. This is the way Jesus is looking at us. Every play has to be a hundred percent. Every time you're making a decision, you can't compromise. You can't say, well, in this case, it feels good. So eh, this one, it's okay if I go a little bit away from God. That's not the way it works. We have to be able to be mentally strong to overcome that. What does the military do for this? How do they, how do they train their, their trainees? They say, you know, sometimes, gosh, we were, my, my friend tells me we're so beaten down because they make us wake up at different hours. They make us go to sleep at different hours. I, actually, we, sometimes we don't sleep. We sleep two hours or we get woken up with cold water or we have to go long, long runs, long days. Why is this training so rigorous? Why is it so hard? Because 
when you're faced with the decisions, when you're facing that moment of war, you might be under these dire strait type situations. You might be facing these situations where something sinful looks good and you're going to have to endure it, you know, because it doesn't feel good to endure it. It might not feel good to go against it. It might feel like being only sleeping for two hours and, and, and not being able to, to get the comfort of my bed. It might feel like fasting is impossible. How can I possibly fast? That food looks so good. But really, at the end of the day, what's the body capable of? If you look at the military training, they say, I, was, I didn't think I was going to be able to get past that. I didn't think I was going to be able to run that far or carry so much. And maybe I did fall from exhaustion, but I kept going. Because in the moment of war, there is no comfort. In the moment of sin, if we, if we choose what's right, it's not going to feel comfortable. If we choose to fight for what's right, it's not always going to feel good. We're actually going to have to fight our own desires, our own mind, and my own thought process and tell myself, I can't trust myself right now. I have to go back to my training. One of the things that they say is in the, in the middle of war, when we're actually faced with temptation, when we're actually faced with wanting to make the wrong decisions, we're only going to go back to the highest level we trained. We're not going to be able to supersede that. If you can't do it in practice, you can't do it in the game. And so that's where we have to train. That's where we have to make up our minds to say, no, I'm going to do better than this. I'm going to train as a good Catholic. So the flesh can be a very, you know, we can be our own worst enemy sometimes. If we're not ready to battle that, we're going to fall very easily because already we started off on the wrong foot. We've got to be able to battle our minds and realize, yes, I can run that far. Yes, I can carry that baggage. Yes, I can endure not feeling good. I can not eat a hamburger for a day. And usually the next day, it's not even that tempting. Ironically, right? This is what the mind is doing to us. This is where we have to be able to say, I'm not going to trust my emotions. I'm not going to go based on just what I feel. I'm going to go based on what I know. I'm going to use my reason because this is what I'm feeling right now. But what does logic tell me? What does reason tell me? That's one of the things that we have to train for. We can't give ourselves any, any comforts that are sinful. So that's our own, our, ourselves being our own worst enemy. The next enemy we have to train for is the world. What do we know about the world? One of the challenging parts is that, as we see in society, we turn ourselves, we turn human beings into our own enemies. And we're not each other's enemy. We're not supposed to be each other's enemy. We're supposed to be one body of Christ. We're supposed to be the communion of saints at the end of the day. And so how can it be possibly logical that we're going to be each other's enemy when we're supposed to be united in Christ? It doesn't make sense, but yet that's what we see. That's what we feel. That's the way we think. Now, that doesn't mean that we always like each other, but it does mean that we can respect each other. Is that possible? Is it possible to not like somebody, but to respect the person? It's a hundred percent possible. One of my friends who trained and who actually did see some, some battlefront, uh, um, episodes and, and did a few, a few tours, um, told me about this situation where he said, you know, I didn't always like the guys in my platoon, but I knew in the moment of battle that I could trust them because we respected each other. Because in that moment we had each other's backs. He said, just because I didn't like them or I didn't understand everything about them, we had a common mission and we were going to be there to help each other get through that mission. We're going to talk more about that concept when we come back.
Hi, this is Jesse Romero from the Terry and Jesse Show, also from Jesus 911. Let's face it, we all need to use the internet, but we need screen accountability. Why? Pornography is a huge problem, especially on the internet. And every time we tap into the internet, we get bombarded with images and temptations that degrade our humanity. So we need Covenant Eyes to block these pornographic sites and advertisements from infiltrating our lives. Covenant Eyes helps us take custody of our eyes and custody of our intellect. So I recommend you go to CovenantEyes.com and type in the promo code VMPR to support the network. Protect yourself and your family from the eminent threats on the internet. www.CovenantEyes.com Code VMPR Live Porn Free. Thank you for listening to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you. God bless you. Keep the faith. If you shop on Amazon.com, there's an easy way to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Just visit smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center under the desired charity. Now, when you log into your Amazon account and purchase products, a portion of it will automatically go to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio at no cost to you. Thanks in advance for supporting CRC and VMPR, and may God richly bless you and your family. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for your support here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Here's an easy way to do it. If you're going to sell or buy a house, call Real Estate for Life, 877-543-3871, because they're going to get you a Christ-centered agent to purchase your home or to sell your home. And at the close of escrow, a portion of his commission goes right back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Call 877-543-3871. Thank you so much for your support. Welcome back to the clinic, Virgin Most Powerful Radio family. Always a pleasure to be here. Always a pleasure to um, be talking about mental health, physical health, and more importantly than anything else, spiritual health. Thank you for uh, always participating. Again, I always say if you find it in your heart to donate, please Give us a donation, you know, if, if you find that, uh, you find this edifying. Also, please always let us know if there's any topics you want to hear about, anything you want to discuss um, in our hour here in the clinic um, so that we can help each other heal, so that we can understand a little bit more about our spiritual health and about what's going on out there. You know, different uh, different uh, programs are going to resonate differently with different people. If you feel that something resonated with you, please let us know um, because we always want to make sure that we are, you know, helping each other out as Catholics. Today, we're talking about training to get to heaven um, and really training to make the choices. Training to vote for God is really what it comes down to. You know, we're talking about our being in a political year and an election year, um, but this is true no matter what year we're in. This is true every day of our lives. We have our mission here on earth, and, and one of the things about training is that if our mission is to become more Christ-like, we have to train to realize that our mission is greater than ourselves. And that we need to be able to put ourselves aside, to put my own desires aside, to put my own prejudices aside, to put my own um, individual selfishness aside, and to really open that way for God to work uh, in my life so that he can work in everybody else's life. We're talking about 
knowing as we train, we have to know our enemies and we have to know our tools and we have to know our weapons. Um, and right now we've been talk talking about um, who our enemies are in this battle as we get closer to heaven. We're talking about ourselves, about the flesh, the world, and the devil. And we talked about how we really have to overcome um, our own thought process and our own emotions so that we don't become our own worst enemy. But the next part that we have to come, come across and battle against is the world. We have to also understand that as I'm trying to overcome my own insecurities, my own uh, weaknesses, my own uh, impulses emotionally that might lead me to make bad choices, I have to look at the world and I have to recognize that we are not each other's enemy. We are not. We are meant to be one with God. And I was talking a little bit about a friend of mine who was in the military, and he told me that as they were, uh, he was in the Marines, and as, as they were out there doing some missions, uh, he didn't always like every guy in his platoon. He didn't always find them uh, uh, fun to be around, and he said that there was one guy in particular he found annoying at times. But he said that when it came time to fight, when it came time to for, for a time of battle, Boy, he said he respected every one of his teammates and he respected and he um, understood them wholeheartedly at that time to be able to defend him. He said, they all have my back. He said, I might not like them, but we respect each other because we understand that we have a mission at hand and it has nothing to do with how I feel. The mission is that the enemy is happening. There is going to be a war. There is going to be a battle. And if we can't put our feelings aside about how we feel about each other and get it together enough, to support each other in this mission, then we're fried, we're done. Then what's the point? Because we're not going to win that way. He said one of the things about finding each other annoying is not so much that it's okay to find each other annoying, but that we understand each other's weaknesses. And he said, while we joke around, he said, this is true. I mean, if we know that somebody's afraid about something, let's say we know somebody's afraid of snakes, well, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to put a snake in their bed because we think it's funny. You know, why not? We're a bunch of guys, we're hanging out and and we're just going to have fun. This is what we do. We're going to tease each other. We're going to haze each other. He said, and this is what happens when we are, when we're down, when, you know, when it's downtime, when we're not in the middle of the battle. But what you've got to understand is that we've trained and we understand that in the middle of the battle, if we're in a mission and all of a sudden I see a snake, that's the last time I'm going to want to show it to even the most annoying of my, of my uh, fellow soldiers. I'm not going to want him to see that because in the middle of battle, I don't want him to be exposed to his weaknesses. In fact, I'm going to avoid anything that's going to trigger a weakness, and I'm going to try to work on all his strengths. I'm going to focus on the fact that he's probably the sharpest shooter in our team, and we're going to use that strength to get to move ahead. And at that time, I'm going to use my strengths. I'm going to use the strength of the fact that maybe I'm really good at radio communications or something, and I'm going to be able to tell, exact, tell our platoon back home, tell our home base where we're at, and get us to where we need to for safety. We're going to use each other's strengths. And boy, that's sure not the time to beat each other down because we have a common mission. We have somewhere we need to get to, you know. And the world is not so much that we find each other an enemy. There's going to be different things that we do in the world. There's going to be different things that we're going to be exposed to because as individuals, we can, it's much easier to see Christ in ourselves. But as a society, it's very easy to be tempted by certain things in this world that the world is going to value. And by the world, I mean, while we're here on the planet, there's things that we, that we look at, and if we don't know how to empty ourselves, if we haven't trained ourselves to not see them as valuable, we can really get taken up by them. A lot of times people will get taken up by wanting to be famous. You know, this idea of wanting to be worshipped by everybody else. They might not say the word worshipped, but boy, you know, how many followers do I have on my Facebook? 
How many people liked that picture that I put up? How many people, you know, uh, told me that I look great today? If that's what I'm counting on, then I'm going to fall short because the day that that doesn't happen, boy, I'm going to be depressed. I'm going to think people are terrible because that's how I'm judging other people as well. Or how much money do I have? Am I making more money? Do I have a mansion? Can I get two mansions? Well, do I really need to make that much money? Or in the process of making that much money, did I forget to feed the poor? Did I forget that there's other people out there who might not be as uh, as rich or, or as uh, lucky? And th- did I all of a sudden just focus on myself? Because all of a sudden when that money's gone, does anything else matter? Am I important? Are other people important? Or is my only focus money? This is the world. This is what the world teaches us. Or... You know, how do we value each other? Why am I getting conflicting messages? I'm supposed to respect other people and I'm not supposed to see other people as say sex objects or something like that. But at the same time, there's all these lingerie ads of men and women scantily clad as I'm driving down the freeway. How do I reconcile that? How do I put that in my mind? How do I make that straight in my mind? It's really hard to do if we haven't been training to focus on God, to not let our emotions, our lower desires get a hold of us and to focus on, well, what is it that I'm supposed to think in terms of how we treat each other? What is it that I'm supposed to think in terms of how do I become more Christ-like in this mission? How do I train for that? We've got to get back to our weapons. We've got to get back to our training. You know, it's no different than, let's say, all of a sudden there's a football player on the stands, or excuse me, in the, uh, on the field, and all of a sudden, you know, during the game, he's like, man, I'm really thirsty. Hey, look at that. There's somebody selling Coke up there in the stands. You know what? I'm going to go run up there and grab a Coke real quick. Well, hang on, the game is still going. There's a play going. Yeah, but I didn't want any water. I really wanted a Coke up there. I really wanted a soft drink. Yeah, but you got to be able to control that in the moment because otherwise we're just going to be run by our emotions. We're going to we're gonna um, go up into the stands and forget, that, hey, the game is still happening. And really that's what it comes down to. When we start focusing on the world, when we when we change our mindset from this is how I get, got to get closer to God, this is how I fo- got to follow my faith, what we're really doing is leaving the game. And when we leave a game, notice something. We don't just leave a game. We leave our teammates behind. We leave other people who are relying on us behind. When we don't make that decision, when we don't vote for God, when we don't vote for what is right in, in, in our faith, we're going to let each other down, not just ourselves. And so this is really important to consider because this is what happens with the world. So if I'm, you know, if I don't, if I allow myself to be my own enemy, I might be on that field. I might be on that on that field, uh, uh, either in, in, a, in a game, in, in a battlefield, but I'm letting my teammates down even though I'm there because I don't have my head in the game. But if all of a sudden I let the world guide me and, and make decisions based on what the world think is right, uh, without thinking for myself, you know, without thinking, gosh, what I do affects other people, I'm going to get up and I'm going to leave the battlefield or I'm going to leave the game and I'm going to leave all my other teammates behind, everybody who's relying on me. I wouldn't want to do that, and it would be terrible if one of my teammates did that. If we're in the midst of, of an activity, if we're in the midst of fighting, if we're in the midst of we're about to win the game, and then somebody walks off, where does that leave us? This is what happens to us spiritually. We're all in this game together. We're all in this, on this march together. We're all in this fight together. We're all trying to make it to, to heaven together. But every time we allow our focus and our concentration to veer towards that which the world tells us is more important versus that which Christ tells us is important, we start to leave our team behind. We leave our fellow church militant behind. And so this is important to consider. Now, we say our enemies are the flesh, the world, and the devil. 
So when it comes to the devil, I don't like to focus too much on it, but it's very, very important to consider. The reason I don't like to focus, and people say, Dr. Sandoval, why is it that you don't focus on it? Aren't you on a deliverance team? Don't you sometimes evaluate people for spiritual maladies and, and be able to decide, you know, gosh, are they afflicted by demonic spirits or things of that nature? Sure we do. But one of the things to consider is that one of the pitfalls that we can fall into is putting way too much focus on that because the devil is not our primary weakness. Sin is. So we have to remember, we have to keep things in priority here. The devil takes advantage of us when we open the door by sinning. So there's a big difference here. Yes, is the devil powerful? Absolutely. Nobody's going to say that he's not an angelic creature. Nobody's going to say demons didn't have an angelic nature and, and that they don't retain um, a lot of the, uh, the properties that come with that denatured as they are now because now they, they've used it opposite of the way God wanted it. Um, but what we've got to consider is sometimes it can, it, it's a trap to start to focus so much on the extraordinary actions of the devil. We see them, and when it happens, it's more than anything else a distraction. What we've got to remember is, well, if you're so powerful, why put on a show? Why put on all these extraordinary um, um, actions, as we say, where people worry about oppression and levitation or, you know, people speaking in different languages if they're being possessed, you know, this is very, very, uh, a fancy, if you will. It, it, it's, a uh, most of the time, you know, if things are moving around the room or whatnot, it's parlor tricks, but why, why is that there? Why, why is it that I say we shouldn't focus on that too much? It seems pretty extraordinary. It seems pretty impressive, but the reality is, is the more we focus on that, the more we're going to get into fear, you know, and, and we're going to get afraid and then all that fear does is makes us want to turn into ourselves. And when we turn into ourselves, then all of a sudden we become insecure. We no longer want to get out there and take a risk for God, right? Where I'm just going to stay where I am. Oh, I'm no good. I can't get any better. Look at this. It's so scary. And this is the tactic. This is really the tactic that's used. We become fearful. We don't become, um, we lose sense of who we are. We lose our personality when we're afraid. And that tactic, why is it there? Well, ultimately it's there because we've opened a door, because we're carrying sin around with us. We have to get rid of that sin. We have to repent of that sin, get rid of that sin, and get rid of, in that way, any attachment that any demon, devil, or anything like that would have with us. More about that when we come back. on apologetics you have entered into virgin most powerful's apologetics dojo where we go wall to wall with defending explaining sharing the faith master apologist carlo broussard carlo welcome to hands-on apologetics hey gary it's great to be back in the dojo my friend master apologist ken hensley welcome to hands-on apologetics good to see you again gary good to be with you michael barber welcome you have entered into the virgin most powerful's apologetics dojo Gary, thanks for having me on. We are chatting with Master Apologist Carl Keating. Gary, it's great to be back with you. Coming into the dojo is our good friend Steve Ray. Thank you, Gary. Good to be here. Tim Staples, welcome to Hands-On Apologetics. 
Hey, it's great to be with you, Gary. Thanks for having me on. Join many others in Gary Machuda's Apologetics Dojo. We have some of the best Catholic apologists in the nation. Streaming live weekdays from 10 to 11 a.m. Pacific. Hands-on apologetics on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. If you shop on Amazon.com, there's an easy way to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Just visit smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center under the desired charity. Now, when you log into your Amazon account and purchase products, a portion of it will automatically go to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio at no cost to you. Thanks in advance for supporting CRC and VMPR and may God richly bless you and your family. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for your support here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Here's an easy way to do it. If you're going to sell or buy a house, call Real Estate for Life, 877-543-3871, because they're going to get you a Christ-centered agent to purchase your home or to sell your home. And at the close of escrow, a portion of his commission goes right back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Call 877-543-3871. Thank you so much for your support. Welcome back to the Clinic Virgin Most Powerful Radio family. Always a pleasure to be here. Today we're talking about training to get to heaven. And really more than anything else, um, training to get to heaven in the midst of political turmoil, social turmoil, a lot of unknown, a lot of anxiety in the world right now. The training never stops. It doesn't matter. You know, the, the, the turmoil going on around us, it's kind of like saying, well, we're going to play a football game, but it's raining. We're going to play whether it's raining or not. We might have to change our tactics because it's raining, but the game's going to go on. Uh, it might be snowing and the game goes on. I might have to put on an extra sweater, but the game goes on. You know, if I'm in the military and, and this is why the military trains in all different types of terrain and water and in desert and in, cold weather and hot weather, because you got to be ready for anything. The mission still must go on and the objective must be met. It doesn't matter. So as we're training to get to heaven, as we're, as our mission is to become Christ-like so that our objective is to get into heaven, our training has to, has to continue and we have to train for all kinds of weather, all kinds of situation, all kinds of political turmoil, social turmoil. The, the mission goes on. Our objective is the same. We still have to get to heaven no matter what's going on around us. We were talking about knowing our enemies and knowing uh, the enemies of the world, the flesh and the devil. And we left off talking about the devil and how it's easy to get diverted and to get really astounded by his extraordinary tactics by looking at things uh, you know, that we might not be able to do, but in the angelic nature of, say, levitation or, say, speaking in foreign tongues or things of that nature, which might astound people or scare people. But really, this is just a tactic to divert us from the truth, from, from what we really need to get to. Remember, the, the demons and the devil are going to do everything opposite. So where we want to fear God, but not be afraid of God, the devil wants you to be afraid, or he wants you to be afraid of him, so that you divert your focus and not even realize how powerful we really are through Christ. The devil wants you to, make, wants you to believe that you're going to be powerful in and of yourself. And this is why, if you notice, it's always about... You know, gosh, we want you to think for yourself. We want you to um, experience something for yourself. And the, and the saying, do what thou wilt, 
It's about doing your own will, right? That's ultimately what the devil said. He said, I will not serve. I will do my own will. I do not want to have any power through God or Christ. I want it to be of my own self. And we see what, what that turns into. We see what he became, you know, from being one of the, the, the most beautiful uh, angels in heaven to all of a sudden being the, the, most, the most hideous thing in hell. And ultimately, that's one of our biggest challenges is, do I want to do my own will or do I want to do the will of God? Now, notice the devil's not saying, come closer to me. He's saying sin. He's saying, get away from God. Eventually, you'll, you'll end up in, in hell if you do that. Um, but that's where the, the biggest the biggest tactic of the devil is. It's not so much that he's our enemy, it's that sin is our enemy, and he just wants to keep us in sin, because if we sin, we're not going to get close to God. We're not going to want to be near God, because we're not going to look like Christ. We're not going to meet the mission of becoming more like Christ and making it into heaven. We're going to get to the pearly gates, and we're not going to be recognizable to heaven. We're going to be recognizable to hell. And that's really what it comes down to as far as any um, um, demonic influence. I would have to say that um, the biggest weakness that we have is the fear tactics that the devils use uh, because ultimately it's, it's about keeping sin and keeping the comforts of sin and, and, and not risking um, letting go of that. Sometimes it can be as simple as harboring anger, harboring resentment, not forgiving somebody. You know, we're carrying the sin around and we think that we're righteous and that we shouldn't forgive that person because they don't deserve it. Um, but then we're be, we're being God there. We're judging who deserves forgiveness and who deserves non-forgiveness. Well, whenever we carry non-forgiveness around or any sin for that matter, but you know, from the, this is one that came up recently uh, with with uh, one of the uh, people I was interviewing, and they were really holding on to this. I'm not going to forgive X, Y, or Z person. Now this happens all the time, whether it be our family member, our friends, politicians. Take your pick. We choose who we are not going to forgive. And one of the dangers that happens there is that really what it's like when we're harboring this, it's like walking through a den of lions with a big raw piece of steak in our hands. We're holding on to the sin and the lions can be like the demons and they're going to attach to that. It's not so much us, it's they're going to attach to the sin because the sin looks good to them. And once they attach to that sin, boy, they can, then we're vulnerable. We're going to be attacked. We've just drawn attention to ourselves and we've said, yes, we want to be attacked. You know, we're, we're welcoming you. It's kind of like if you're going to have a, you know, leave food around in your house and all of a sudden you have pests, you know, you leave trash around and you get pests in your home. You don't want pests in your home. You want to seal up any of the holes. You don't want to open doors into your home with little crevices. Uh, we think nobody's going to see that sin. Nobody's going to know it's such a tiny crevice, but boy, rodents can get in through the tiniest of crevices, right? We need to seal all that up. We don't want to open doors. We don't want to leave bait. We don't want to leave bait. <clears throat> that's going to attract things that we don't want in the home. That's what it comes down to. That's part of our training. Our biggest training when it comes to the demonic is not opening the doors, not so much studying it, not so much reading more about it. Sometimes we think if I read more about it, boy, then I'll really know how to fight it. Our job isn't to fight it. Our job is to become more Christ-like. Even Jesus told his disciples, you know, don't be impressed that demons can be gotten rid of in my name. He said, be more impressed that your names are in the book of life. If we look at that, we realize, yes, are there demons around? Are there things that we need to conquer? Yes, but that's secondary. That's not the primary goal. You know, and that's one of the tactics when it, when it comes to that. It's really the tactic is holding, holding on to sin feels good versus using the logic of what does it matter if it feels good if, logically speaking, this is going to keep me from getting to heaven. That's, that's the bottom line. I got to get rid of the sin. I got to close the doors. I got to keep fighting because temptation is going to happen. 
But if I don't fight that temptation, that's the problem. And sometimes, and sometimes a, a great tactic is if there is temptation, we feel like we've already sinned. We got to take a step back and say, even though I feel like I've sinned, oh my gosh, I had a bad thought, or I had a, I heard a dirty joke and I laughed at it, or whatever it is, you know, I feel like I've sinned. I, I feel bad. Take a step back and ask yourself logically: Have you sinned? If you have, then okay, I'm going to go to confession. But otherwise, it just feels like I've sinned, but I haven't. We can't become scrupulous because that's another tactic. So really the bottom line when it comes to the devil is I say, don't focus so much on the devil as much as getting closer to Christ. Understand that there are, that this is an enemy. Understand that they have tactics. But my strongest tactic is how do I get my book, my name in the book of life? If I can focus on that, that's going to be key. And if we look at that, then what are my tools? How do I get my name in the book of life? Well, first let's open a Bible. Let's just look at what we consider the words of life. Jesus is life. His words are life. Let's start reading some of the Gospels. Let's quietly meditate on this. This is a training that we really need to do because ultimately it's kind of like the off-season. If I'm not being tempted at the time, if I'm not in a battle where I'm, I'm struggling with sin or I'm struggling with you know, not letting go of something or not forgiving somebody or you know, any of these things where if I'm not struggling with that, guess what? We're in the off-season. And what do we do in the off-season? We train. It's like a soldier who's not necessarily at war, but is training every day just in case or for the moment that war comes. Or athletes who are in the off-season who are not in, in the particular sport, sporting season, but they still have to train. They still have to maintain a diet. They still have to exercise. They still have to practice because they know that the sport is coming, the battle is coming. This is why we're practicing Catholics, because we have to continue our practice. We have to know what our tools are. We have to hone them. We have to hone our, our, and sharpen our tools so that when the battle does come, we're at the ready. It's not a surprise and it's not that hard. Is it going to not feel good? Possibly. It doesn't feel good to get hit in the middle of a game. It doesn't feel good to get fouled. It doesn't feel good to uh, have to, you know, physically exert yourself. It probably doesn't feel good to be in war. Um, and, you know, and I say that facetiously, of course, but in those moments, it's not going to feel good, but we've trained for it. We understand that even though something doesn't feel good emotionally, logically speaking, we can get through it. One of the first things is, let's open our Bibles. Let's just read our Bible. That's where the words of life are going to be. If I'm stressed out about life, if I'm stressed out about who I'm going to vote for, or what's happening in the election, th this is the battle. Now the battle's happening. Did I train for it? Did I open my Bible and meditate quietly? Did I do some Lectio Divina where I read the passage and just kind of try to see what it means, read it again, see what it means for me, let it sit with me throughout the day, pray about it to God. This is very, very effective in bringing peace to the soul. And it just can be one sentence of the Bible. Every word of the Bible is so important. We underestimate how powerful it is to just read one sentence, and we underestimate the fact that God is going to work through that. This is the word of God. God's going to work as we're reading that. It's going to be food for our souls. This is what's important. This is where the training takes place. If I can do this in the off season, then when I am in the battle, guess what? I'm going to go back and I'm going to open my Bible and I'm going to go back to that sense of peace. I'm going to be able to create that for myself. We can't underestimate the sacraments. We have to get to the sacraments. There's no question about it. The sacraments we've got to remember are tools. They're not, in, they're not an end in and of themselves. A lot of times we think, oh, I went to communion or I went to confession. Okay, good. I'm done. I did my goal. No, the sacrament, so you went to communion, you went to confession, so what? What are you going to do with that? Now that you've gone to confession, let's, you've been cleansed of your sins. That's amazing. You're united with God. Are you going to go back and pray more? Are you going to continue to practice more? Now you receive the Eucharist. You're united to Christ in a very real way. 
How am I going to use that in order to address my fellow man, in order to improve my everyday life and the life of somebody else? These are stepping points. A lot of times we think, oh, if I just get to the sacraments, I'm fine. And guess what? I kind of feel holier than other people because I went to the sacraments and they didn't go to the... Well, no, the sacrament, is, remember, it's a, it's a tool. It's not an end in, into of itself. It's a tool to get us closer to Christ. We have to continue our actions. It's not a one-time thing. This is why the sacraments repeat themselves. The Mass is a sacrifice of Christ every Sunday, every day, actually. Every time it's happening. Why? Because Christ is reminding us that we're not perfect and it's happening over and over in order to continue to cleanse us of our, of our sins and of our imperfections. Pray the rosary. When was the last time you held a rosary in your hand? If somebody's training, if somebody's a, a, a sports player, uh, they have to hold the, the ball, they have to hold the equipment, they have to know how to use it. It's the same thing with a, with a rosary. If somebody's in the military, they have to know what their weapons are. They have to take them apart. They have to clean them. They have to know if they get jammed. It's no different than the tools that we have. The rosary is a very tangible tool. Have you, when was the last time you held beads in your hand and actually felt what they were like and put them through your hand? It can be it can be very daunting to think, oh, I'm going to pray. Why is it so heavy? Why is it so, why is it so hard? Because praying is hard. It sounds simple, but it's hard. If I don't train, if I don't practice on my tools, if I don't know how to do that, when it comes time to the battle, when it comes to the time of the battle, it's going to be foreign to me. I've never held the rosary. Oh, boy, boy, I, boy I'm feeling really bad. Now I'm going to put the rosary in my hand. I'm going to do it. It's going to be really hard. But guess what? This is the off season. I'm not in a battle right now. I'm going to start praying the rosary and I'm going to practice and I'm going to keep practicing on getting holier so that when I am faced with a battle, when I am faced with something, I know how to use this tool. Don't forget to put on the armor of God. Read the book of Ephesians. The armor of God, as St. Paul tells us, we've got to put on the belt uh, of truth, right? And buckle that around your waist. We've got to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Um, and when you read this uh, passage of Ephesians, you start to look at the fact that St. Paul tells us this is a battle. We can't underestimate that as we're training, we're training for a battle. We're training for a battle to complete our mission to become more like Christ, right? Now, next time our time's running out, keep in mind another thing. You're not in this battle alone. We're in the battle with the saints. The angels are all with us, the church triumphant. And don't forget the souls in purgatory. Pray for the souls in purgatory because they're there praying with us. This battle is the battle of us united in Christ, of the family of Christ. Don't forget to pray for your souls in purgatory. Have masses said for your loved ones. These are all important things to consider. We're going to get stronger as we become more like Christ. We get to the gates of heaven and meet our objectives. Until next time, we'll see you in the clinic. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great High Priest, May the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin most powerful, pray for us.
Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.